Hey, Liam. Yes, Scott. Remember that Iron Man movie everybody really liked? Oh, it's so hot right now. It's one of the best movies of 2008, if not ever. Which is why we need to make a sequel. Absolutely. We're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it better. We're going to fit in more superheroes. Mm. And we're going to have him fight his greatest enemy. Oh, the Mandarin? No. The Crimson Dynamo? No. Alcohol? No, Whiplash. How's Whiplash? I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. We are a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm your other host, Greg Beaver. I am your yet more host, Scott C. Bourgeois. And today we are going to be uh, giving our notes to the classic superhero film, Iron Man. Not one, not three, but two. Is it that old that it's a classic now? Yeah, it's a decade. Yo, shitty. Oh, boy. (laughs) It was one of the early Marvel movies, actually. Yeah, very early. Yeah. I, did, I, uh, it, I forgot it. Just in the middle of that world building where you're getting some of the members it, of the Avengers in there. It came out before Thor. It did. Yeah, yeah the, the end credits is them being like, we found this hammer? What do you think this hammer is for? <laughs> it's for the mighty Thor. What's a Thor? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. A, this one had all the, all the beginning of the plantings of the seeds of all the whole MCU. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like this Scarlett or uh, Scarlett Johansson was kind of like the big launching pad for all that in a way. Yeah. The first sort Which of like intermingling, intertwining piece to the the whole Avenger saga. And now a decade later, she's finally getting her own movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they make toys for this one too. Yeah. Uh, that's embarrassing. There's <laughs> never been like all these Avengers toys and they won't make a Black Widow one. No, they'll make one with uh, Soviet Captain America for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> have they really not made any uh, any Black I'm sure, Widow toys? I'm sure there are Black Widow toys exist, but I know it's been an ongoing issue. Like every time there's yeah. a movie with her in it, there is a distinct lack of Black Widow toys compared to all the boy toys. Yeah, and it's like ugh. everybody wants three versions of Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did, did Captain America wear a scuba suit in Avengers? I don't remember. We got the scuba suit Captain America toy. We better write a scene where he's doing scuba. Yeah, we're getting way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of suggested this movie uh partly because we don't do a lot of marvel movies around the i have some note studios at mm-hmm. least not within the greater mcu like we've, we've done, we've done daredevil some, right? and we've done some dc movies yeah yeah we've done lots of dc Famously, movies yeah. we've done some <laughs> dc movies <laughs> but this is the one that a lot of even marvel fans point to as like that's the one that sucks iron man 2 garbage Really? And and I've always been like, is it is fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I and I and rewatching it, I was kinda of like I was willing to sort of like, you know, have an open mind and be like, Well, maybe maybe it's worse than I remember. And I watched it again and I'm like, Well, it's fine. It's a perfectly serviceable action movie. It's pretty tight, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. watching it I was legitimately I actually remembered it being worse than it was. And I don't know if I would fall into the it's terrible camp, but I earnestly think it's better than Iron Man 3. Yeah, it's better than there's a number of Marvel movies that it's leaps and bounds better than. Yeah. And rewatching it, I was like, actually, that's a pretty tight movie. There's not much that I can see in the way of flaws in it. I think there's ways that it can be tightened up. Absolutely. 
And see, I had, I had the opposite one. Is I remember loving it, being like, "This is as good as Iron Man," you know, the first one. I was super hype on it. Watching it again, I think I went from like an eight to a seven. Yeah, and I went from like a six to a seven. So <laughs> we kind of evened out. Yeah, I probably stayed at a seven. There you go. <laughs> Just a solid seven movie all around. Yeah, this, this movie is. It's, it's hard not to. It's hard not to to like it just because it's basically the same movies the first one he has a similar arc to mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i can't help but wonder if people were harshly criticizing it in comparison to the original iron man which is very very good mm-hmm. because it was like the second movie yeah and now with the benefit of hindsight <laughs> and with so many more marvel movies we can look back and go actually it was pretty good yeah like in the grand scheme of things yeah it definitely uh uh Definitely made an impact when it came out. Of course, just uh, some some background details. It, of course, stars Gwyneth Paltrow, John, Don Cheadle, Scarlett Johansson, Sam Rockwell, Mickey Rourke, Sam Jackson, and, of course, Robert Downey Jr. It was uh, written by a cat named Justin Thoreau and directed by uh, the one and only uh, Mandalorian himself, John Favreau. Uh, had a cool budget of $200 million, and apparently it made 300 and change. So good for them. Sam Rockwell is definitely Sam Rockwelling it all over this movie. Yes. He is he's, super charming. Yeah, he's he's dialing it up to ten. And it is a crime against the MCU as a whole that Justin Hammer has never reappeared in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no reason he couldn't have showed up so many other occasions. Yeah. No, absolutely. He should have been like the guy selling bad guys crappy tech. In every movie. Yeah. Like, where did Crossbones get his super cool suit from? Justin Hammer. Yeah. Where is Cla- who is Claw dealing with to get arms that he's shipping? Justin Hammer. Yeah. Like, yeah. it, and he could have just danced onto screen and said some Sam Rockwelly lines <laughs> and danced <laughs> off, and I would have been here for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would yeah, he, he, he doesn't get, he only gets one movie, and Gary Shandling gets like, what did he get? Three? Yeah. <laughs> Two or three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he definitely could have. I could have seen him as a much more of a like a low level. Like you had your Thanos up top, then your Loki, then your Justin Hammer of like yeah Marvel. You know, of Marvel villains appearing in multiple movies. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. He could have. He could have been in Civil War. There's no reason he couldn't have been in Civil War. Yeah. Come on, that seems like maybe maybe Cap has to go and like, oh man, we're gonna fight Tony. You know who? You know who'd help me fight Tony? He has to like come hat in hand. I mean, we're, we're fixing Civil War here. We need to <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so in retrospect, that would have been awesome. And so, yeah, in who's, retrospect, who's Civil- a tech guy who doesn't like Tony Stark? Smash cut to Sam Rockwell. <laughs> hey! Yeah, right. We'll call this a bonus fix for Sam Rockwell. Should have been in Civil I put War. all the weapons in that war machine, so yeah. I can absolutely tell you how to beat it. Yeah. And then, of course, he's terrible, so he fails. Yeah. We just fixed Civil War. Boom! Boom. <laughs> bonus, I have some it's notes. two for one. <laughs> it's an episode in an episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, this uh, this definitely was a, a movie that was uh, a very integral to setting up the MCU. All sorts of uh, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, you know seeds get laid. I was going through some of the trivia, and uh, there's some some interesting ones. I always love the the trivia section of IMDb. My first one, I always love the when they list the actor who didn't take the role to go do a different movie, and you're always like, oh man. Uh, Emily Blunt was set to star as Natasha Romanoff, aka the Black Widow, but had to pull out due to scheduling conflicts with her movie *Gulliver's Travels*. Oh, no. We could have had a decade of Emily Blunt as the Black Widow, but that she had cool. to make *Gulliver's Travels*. Um, you know, sometimes you make the wrong choice, yeah, and but sometimes it's not necessarily to the detriment. Will Smith famously turned down Neo for *The Matrix*. Yes, yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he's gone on record going like it's. 
I made Wild Wild West instead of The Matrix, yeah. and that was arguably a mistake. But at the same time, we got The Matrix, yeah, yeah. and it was pretty good, you guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of wonder if like he, like Will Smith's ta- uh, star power would have um, had an adverse effect on uh, hard to on say. the Matrix, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and I mean, it made like a Keanu movie, Reeves. a Will Smith movie tends to become about Will Smith. So would there would there have been a Matrix rap movie or rap yeah. song or something? Hard to say. <laughs> Hard to say. Um, speaking of uh, uh, star power, uh, you saw the Elon Musk cameo. That was pretty funny. Yeah, um, uh, Aaron wasn't happy about that. Uh, I, I actually admittedly cringed. But <laughs> well, you know, it's even wilder. Hammer's whole facility was shot in Elon Musk's SpaceX uh, SpaceX facility in Hawthorne, California. Sure, oh, wow. that's probably why Musk got that cameo. Yeah. So there you go. I didn't realize he had been working on SpaceX that long. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess it is a pretty huge undertaking, so it's not surprising. But yeah. And one last little uh, uh, trivia that I just found incredibly charming. Uh, there's a photo of uh, Ivan being arrested uh, that Tony Stark like looks at when he's researching uh, his villain, and uh, it is a picture of Mickey Rourke being arrested for a drug charge when he was younger. <laughs> Oops. So an actual <laughs> yeah. Sure, that was kind of funny. Sure, yeah. why not? But, uh, hey, if you've got the archive footage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is before they could CG in old footage. They just went and found mugshots from their youth. Yeah, little um, details. But yeah, those are, those are just some details I thought set it up, but really nothing sets it up better than the trailer itself. So uh, let's go to the trailer. If you could make God bleed, people will cease to believe in him. The sharks will come. All I have to do is sit here and watch as the world will consume you. <laughs> Our priority is to get the Iron Man weapon turned over to the United States of America. I am Iron Man. The suit and I are one. Contrary to popular belief, I know exactly what I'm doing. What I saw you do to Tony Stark on that track? Wow. You need my resources. I want to make Iron Man look like an antique. This whole lone gunslinger act's unnecessary. You don't have to do this alone. When last we saw Tony Stark, the billionaire narcissist had just revealed to the world he is the incredible living weapon known as Iron Man. In this far-fetched fictional universe, the United States government fears what a narcissistic billionaire might do with his hand on the button of such destructive power. Does Marvel know how to spin a yarn or what? Tony being the egomaniac he is, believes the Iron Man suit is most safe in his hands, and no one else has the capacity to duplicate his tech. He is, of course, wrong. And a greasy, bird-loving Russian has built his own metal army and is out to get revenge for the sins visited upon his family by Tony's father. Will Tony be able to put his ego aside long enough to save the day? Probably. At least until the next film. It's like Iron Man 3, does Tony still have... Is it still about... Uh, Tony's ego. No, Iron Man three is more about Tony's PTSD from nearly exploding in space. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah seeing seeing a portal to another dimension and aliens come and you know rip apart New York. Really uh, set up Iron Man three. Yep. <laughs> also, it's Christmas. 
It is a it is famously a Christmas movie. I I this is I don't want to get in. It's just because a movie set at Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Okay, tell that to all the diehard fans. Yeah, I know, right? I I hope they're listening. We're not going to have this kind of argument on the podcast, are we? (laughs) Well, that's that's an argument for Iron Man three. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, it, what was so? So we were talking about sort of how we remembered it uh, compared to when we saw it, you know, a decade ago. But how, like, what was your what was your thoughts on it? Just generally watching it, I, I think we agreed like a seven. Like it's pretty tight. It's not great. It's not bad. Yeah, I had a hard time really picking out things that I was not wild about. Maybe um, I would have liked to seen a little bit more with Ivan's dad. Understood that backstory a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's Get to get to see. Okay, here we go. And I'm, as I'm, usual, Greg <laughs> is stepping on my notes. As usual, I mean, go ahead. No, 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 no. We'll save that for the rewrites. You, you go on. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that's not. Uh, there's any. Generally, the movies. You know, um, it's charming for the most part. It's it's funny, like most Marvel movies are. Um, I would have appreciated a little less crosstalk. I think that they thought that that was kind of whimsical and and cute, and I kind of got tired of it after a while because I I just wanted to understand what the characters were saying. Like a little crosstalk is, can be fun in a bantery way, but like mm-hmm. that was a bit much for me. Uh, yeah, they. I'm okay with them using it with Tony and Pepper, particularly. Yeah. Uh, but Tony does it with a lot of everyone else as well. Yeah. And and it is a little distracting at times. Yeah, it's kind of a device with Tony and Pepper because they're they're such at odds with each other all the time and yeah. Yeah, it's uh I, I think it actually speaks to, like I'd almost put this as like the the barometer of like a quality Marvel movie of like there's probably about as many better as there are worse. I, I I'm not going to crunch those numbers, <laughs> uh, but like it it just speaks to the consistency that I think this one sets up for the whole MCU of like they're they're all about this good, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Except, I mean, there's again, there's worse ones, there's better ones, but like, this is just like a nice like. This was definitely like episode. Yeah, this is the three this is of the, a series. the room temperature Marvel movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, definitely not as epic as I remember. Like, I remember it feeling much more like whoa, and then watching it now, I was like. Oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, there, it's, there yeah. aren't a lot of action sequences. I, I was thinking, like, as we were approaching the climax, you get. Um, um, the fight between the two Irons Man mm-hmm. and uh, and the opening uh, Club Monaco scene. I almost said Club Monaco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess there's <laughs> maybe I mean, there's probably a club there, but like yeah, there's like yeah, there's basically like three major fights, and that's kind of it. Which is it seems like on the low side for a Marvel film, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, because the movie is really focusing on Tony, and you mentioned it doesn't have a huge epic scale, but that's partly also because it's. It's an intimate and personal episode for mm-hmm. Tony, and I think it kind of works because it's a character piece about him. Yeah, more than it is about like a great cosmic enemy showing up and punching people into dust. Uh, I guess when I say epic, I just meant that like feeling that some like like just like, like the stakes don't need to be life or death or universe life and death, but just that it felt like an issue, maybe this is a compliment, but it felt like an issue of a comic book where it was just like, oh, here he is, deal, like, every day he deals with this. Um, like, I like that, though. I, yeah. I think that a, a well-paced movie, even a well-paced action movie, can have, like, like a roller coaster. It has mm-hmm. its ups and downs. And uh, for this movie, I felt that it was paced really well, actually. There were the action bits, um, 
I think that the the climactic action set piece could have been a little longer. Yeah. But that's just my personal take on it. But other than that, like, I felt like the action beats were well placed. You had, like, some setup and then the Monaco stuff. And then you have some setup and then you have the kind of like the the midpoint action scene with the fight between uh, Rhodey and and Tony. Mm -hmm. And then you have some more setup and then you have the big showdown with Whiplash. And I think that it was... I felt that the movie hung together very well, pacing wise. Um, I think Personally. some of the, yeah, I agree. And some of that exposition too, just in my, my research here, I guess. And the reason why Favreau didn't direct the third one is because he was getting a little tired of Marvel putting their fingers in and being like, yo, you got to set up shield. Yo, Sam Jackson needs more screen time. Yo, we need to put these plot hooks into this to start building the MCU. And I think, and that's why he didn't direct the third one was because he's like, I don't want to, put up with this anymore i think you could kind of see the frustration in how um black widow was handled mm -hmm. because her her introduction to me um she's introdu introduced as someone from legal and is an is a notary which she said that the notary is here and then she's gonna get your signature and then to like a scene later she's like tony's assistant and I was like, okay, but is that what a notary does? <laughs> <laughs> and it and it seemed as it seemed as though her her like again like um, Tony is is playing with Pepper Potts how he he wants to hire her or something like that. But there's never like sort of like a we're we're adding you as an assistant or something like that. So it did feel a little messy. Well, it it works for me because she like she's there coming in on like a really inconspicuous job mm -hmm. that's going to attract Tony's notice because she's good looking. And then she's way overqualified for the job she's holding, which is going to catch Tony's eye. And then Tony immediately hires her as his new personal assistant because Pepper just got promoted out of that position. So it's shield knowing who Tony is mm -hmm. and getting a spy right next to him in a way that's inconspicuous enough that he doesn't even catch on at first. Yeah. And so that's why it works for me because they're like, we know exactly the narcissist we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, oh, she worked as a model. Oh, she's super overqualified. Yeah. And that's going to attract his attention and make him promote her. Yeah. yeah. How, how much of that is you having hindsight of the MCU and the end of the movie and knowing how to, you know, oh, write I, stuff? I kind of like, gleaned it from context, honestly. I Yeah. I mean, eh. that's kind of. Yeah, that's kind of what I picked up on as well, but like I still felt like I still felt kind of jarring to me because the scenes are back to back. Fair enough. And there like, could have been, and, and Pepper's telling him no, 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 and there's never any acknowledgement. But it, like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to play with it, you could make a, you can make it a joke in the next scene that like uh, she shows up and Pepper's like, "Why is she here?" And he's like, "Oh, I hired her as my but personal that's, He does do not, that, yeah. does he? Yeah. I think there's a lot in this movie where it's like you smart people pick up what they're going for in between. Like there's a lot of context. There's a lot of that in this movie where you're like, I see how we got from there to there, but that's fair. But in, in this case in particular, said that. in this case in particular, they Pepper's like, no, 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 you cannot hire her as your personal assistant. And then they're in Monaco and she's his personal assistant. And Pepper's like, seriously? So I think that they were going for kind of like oh, a joke. joke you made and just didn't land. And yeah. maybe it just didn't the joke land. Yeah. 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 Um, also, I'm chasing my daughter around. <laughs> While I'm watching enough. the movie, I might have missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, 
a fair point of, of like things you miss and I don't have a, a adorable baby to chase around uh, just uh, you know I'm usually watching it so usually if I miss something I'm always like did I look at my phone too long or like did I like <laughs> what did I miss and we'll, we'll maybe move into to, to keep some cuts because I have a big thing I want to uh, I think I should cut is I was very confused by the timeline of the expo did they say it was like a year long year round yeah it was going to be a year long event Okay, that was unclear to me, okay. uh, and I know they. I even are you saying it? I hear. I remember them saying it, but like, the World's Fair is not usually like a year long. No, but this is Tony Stark's expo. <laughs> but like, at some point, it's just a a, a thing a, that exists. It's either a theme park or a big mall. Like, it's not. Uh, anyway, so that 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 actually because I missed that that confused me quite a bit. Where I'm like, how does how does he get to have a, a big show, and then also within a span of a couple weeks. And it's okay. So it was a year long fight. So it I wasn't say, necessary for them to say it lasts a year or whatever. I mean, it could have been like, this is going on all month or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they could have compressed that if they wanted. Yeah. To. That was, that. that's my big cut is the whole expo <laughs> as plot glue uh, didn't stick for me. Fair enough. And I mean, the movie itself takes place over a short enough timeline that it could have just been a month. Yeah. And it, it would have worked. I don't think that that would have. Uh, broken anybody's suspension that could have even maybe we'll get, keep save this for the rewrites but that could have explained why or an extra reason for hammer to go and get vanko was he's like tony started the month with a hell of a display by the end of a month i gotta have something even better oh yeah i'm if if he started it i'm capping it off and i'm gonna blow yeah. his socks off and he's got that actually one, works and like he's that. got this one month to take whatever rinky dink bullshit he had planned and make it better and if it means faking the death of a criminal you know so be it so be I actually, it i like that the truncated timeline gives him more motivation to yeah. to make a bold uh move like that yeah. and it would explain how you know stupid he is through most of the movie because he's i'm like you're yeah. putting a lot of trust into it yeah he's making a lot of bad decisions yeah yeah. He, yeah hammer makes a lot of poor choices and i know that's most movie villains but like yeah. some of them are glaringly just hubris like In the here's something that i kind of wish was maybe not like muddled into um, Hammer's storyline is like his having having um, War Machine as part of his presentation sort of uh, muddles up like his relationship with um, uh, Ivan, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like it just like it just seems like oh, he's if he's got the thing that he wants, like why does he even like? I know he, he, there's a scene where he kind of he fires him, but then he still takes his drones to to the presentation. Well, it's established that he's getting more and more frustrated because Ivan's doing his enacting his own plan underneath Hammer's nose, and then the War Machine project kind of drops into his lap. And so at that point, he's like, "You know what? I'm going with War Machine. We'll show your stupid saluting drones, and like we'll we'll make do with what we've got." But I'm very unhappy with you, and so I I buy that I get it. Yeah. Like he he jumped to the to the war machine project because it was there, and it was big and spectacular, and Ivan wasn't delivering what he was supposed to. So because Ivan was deliberately sabotaging mm, yeah. him. <laughs> That's what I was saying a minute ago. There's a lot of like filling in fairly narrow gaps that like a smart movie viewer can fill in those gaps yeah, but there's a context. there's a lot of these context gaps fair enough like and a lot of them to like, be fair like the movie's very lean 
Yeah. Um, I mentioned it's it's quite tight off the top, and that's because it's a very lean movie. I even mentioned like the climactic battle scene could have been three minutes yeah. longer. You know, it's, it's funny, and yet it's still two hours long. Yeah. Yeah. There's because there's a lot crammed in there, and and that's partly I think because it's laying some. It's doing the legwork for some of the movies to come. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, S.H.I.E.L.D. has an expanded role and we need to introduce Black Widow. And so there's more that they're trying to fit in, but they're trying to keep it at a nice two-hour runtime because we're not at the point where Marvel movies are like, yeah, three hours, why not? Yeah. Yeah, six hours in two parts, why not? Like, they haven't reached that point yet, so I can see why they're a little gun-shy. But they're, you're right. There are some points where it's like, you know, there maybe could have been... A little bit more there. There could have been a little fat. I think just um, just rearranging um, the the climactic fight a little bit so that there's a uh, uh, less time spent fighting drones and maybe more time spent fighting, fighting whiplash. I, yeah, fighting whiplash. Just so like that. That specifically point. is the thing that like is too short for me. Agreed. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they get the uh, the the proper showdown uh, that uh, that that you know relationship deserved i guess specifically tony like there's like there's no there's no um emotional beat there i don't think and it's just nope. kind of over and you're like is that it yeah I, I sort of i was watching the two i'm like okay they fight the drones and then he's gonna show up and then i'm like yeah he whips him around the neck and then they high five with their lasers and that's the end of it yeah yeah and then he explodes yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's the end of it <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> I it's, mean, it wasn't it wasn't a move that was nicely set up earlier with their previous fight. Yeah, so, yeah. Like that. But was I mean, I'm, that. I liked that. I'm that down with them still ending the fight that way. It just yeah. feels like the fight ended too quickly. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. That was yeah. I liked. I and that was. I'd say definitely one of the things I would keep. It's a very uh, detail, but the the they shoot at each other with the lasers, and that makes like a explosion, like a you know Dragon Ball Z style explosion when two lasers are going at each other, and then doing it at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I uh, I definitely uh, speaking of things that we would keep. I like the um, uh, the happy fight where mm-hmm. Black Widow is kicking the crap out of, out of a whole bunch of dudes, and he's fighting one guy. And by the end of it, he finally punches the guy. Oh, he's like, I did it! And then he looks down the hallway, and there's like a string of just like all these henchmen that are. One of them's hanging from a rope. Yep. No, so the, it sets a Black Widow nicely. Too. The Black yeah. Widow fight in that hallway is also pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Casually dismantling dudes. Well, Happy's haplessly punching a guy in the background. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of, there's a lot to like this. Not a lot of things that I would just like. I would just up and cut. Yeah. I, I, I like the drones. I almost would have liked if the drones had shown up earlier. Like if it, he he has to fight one of them. So then later when he's got to fight ninety of them. It's like a little a little better setup. Yeah, because yeah. when they're when they're punching the drones, they're just ripping them apart. Like there's no danger to the yeah. point where the the biggest danger is he does the the two handed laser thing and cuts them all in half. And Rhodey's like, "Why didn't you do that earlier?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, why didn't I you only got one shot with that." <laughs> I was waiting for them all to be in the room with me. Uh, yeah, um, I really I really like the scene where Justin Hammer is pitching all of his weapons yeah. to the to the military uh it's just it's pure gold like it's absolute comic yeah gold i and, love and it and a nice like kind of fuck you to the to the u.s army of like they're so prevalent in so many of the marvel movies and it is kind of like a war fetish like the whole mcu especially iron man's and captain america's role in it is like you know 
pro-war and and I'm, I'm sure this might be my 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 li- my lefty is showing here but um i liked that scene because it does sort of point out the absurdity of like gun worship and he's like got the gloves and he's like holding it like he's holding it like a dick and it's playing <laughs> it's playing sexy music like it's playing porno music when he's showing all of these giant guns and it's like oh yeah just reminder folks as fun as iron man is and cool fighter pilots and stuff it's like yeah war's war and and you know Guns are, are weapons, and some people get way too into them. You guys are looking at me like I'm off base here. No, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think like I like I like I wrote it in the in the um, the summary. It's like the one thing that's always weird about this movie to me is like is is the U.S. government quite reasonably is is like we can't have like a rogue billionaire running around with essentially a nuclear bomb yeah. for a suit and like. The the movie the movie never really acknowledges that the US government has a reasonable position to me. Like it like any it, position. It, it paints it paints like Gary Shandling's character as a big buffoon who's a jerk and and like he's he's kind of like the avatar for the whole US government. And 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 while there's lots of play with like Tony Stark's ego and stuff like that. There's never sort of there's never sort of like an acknowledgement from anybody that like, hey, the, this guy, like, even though even though he got drunk and like and was just like shooting off the Iron Man suit everywhere, nobody said like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be Iron Man anymore if you can't if you can't hack it yeah. or anything like that. Well, like kind of, Rhodey was saying. Rhodey that. Was saying yeah. Well, you see, like, well, he just takes off with the suit. Ultimately, yeah. He didn't like. There's never any confrontation about like um, Tony's drinking, aside from the fact that he got he got he got drunk and then he's got a hangover, and then he and then he meets Shield and Shield's like, hey, you gotta you gotta do some more science. That's how you're gonna solve get your yeah, your way uh, out of this. Like it doesn't yeah like the the whole I, I see what you're saying. The there. ego stuff doesn't necessarily connect. Um, with his his health issues that he's got right. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if those two are married a little bit better, um, it could have been even tighter. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Like the the, go- the government keeps being like, "Hey, we can't have this guy doing it," but also no one's like, "Hey, Tony, maybe you're not the one to be doing this." Like it's it's two sides of the same argument. But yeah, like, which is ultimately Black Widow's recommendation to Nick Fury at the end yeah. of the movie. Iron Man, yes. Tony Stark, no. Yeah, yeah I feel like um, you know if the movie if the movie's arc is Tony learning to be um a, a better iron man then i then i feel like there i feel like he's got to sort of like acknowledge the u.s government's position and like yeah there's a there's a few here and clearly like we're seeing what whiplash is doing with my technology like yes there's there's a threat and like i understand how you see me as a threat now or something like that you know yeah um i mean there's at the end of the movie there's an aspect of that because he does let Brody keep the war machine suit. I just think it could have been. It could have been. Ex- it's a it nice could theme have been that more was left on the table. Yeah. Did he let him keep it, or did he just say like I'm taking off with it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's suggested <laughs> earlier that Tony has fail safes in the suit, and he could have stopped him, but he yeah. didn't. Right. And that that was maybe his kind of concession to I trust Rhodey Yeah. More than I trust the government, but I trust Rhodey will use the suit mm-hmm. for the government responsibly. I, I kind of glean again though that's me reading between the lines yeah. because the movie isn't explicit about it yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think especially given the era that we live in now politically and stuff like that, when there's just like there's like one guy who's got all this all this power and he's kind of a nutball like this movie kind of reads a little a little more iffy to me now than it might <laughs> yeah, have. Yeah, I guess I guess I wouldn't be pro like Jeff Bezos with lasers. Like I'm not pro Jeff <laughs> Bezos period. So I don't think but, the last thing I want Jeff Bezos to have is more lasers. And really I think this is actually a broader problem with with most um Marvel movies is that there's there never really is an acknowledgement that like that the, all this consolidated power is still is dangerous and like civil war is like basically all about that yeah and it paints um captain america as the guy who is right when he's saying the power is best in our hands in these tiny this little consolidated consortium like all that power which Generally speaking, that's not true. That's why we have democracy because, but, like, the like, like power spread out is generally safer. But Captain America is also an idealist, mm-hmm. and Tony Stark in that movie is painted as the realist, who's like, "No, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, we need rules. We need oversight." Yeah, because he's. And if he had learned that lesson better in Iron Man two, he would have had a better leg to stand and, on and in then, Civil no, War. But that's, but that also is a, an element of his character growth yeah. because he went from the guy who was like, "No, this is best in." I'm I'm the guy who knows best how to use this to after the misadventures that lead up to Civil War coming to the point where he's like, you know what, maybe it is a good idea for us to have someone watching over us. Maybe this is too much power for us to have uh, sole dominion over. And Captain America being the idealist is like, no, the, the people we can trust with this is us. Mm-hmm. And I know we will do the right thing because I believe in us. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's naive of Captain America. But again, we're talking about a different movie <laughs> yep. because there's so much more to this story because there's so many more movies yeah. that are part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that like, that's that's something that I find uh, problematic in most of the yeah. Of the Marvel movie, I'll have to I'll, I'll have to dig up the link. I'll share it with you guys, and maybe we put it in the show notes or in a post. But I watched a very good documentary, like YouTube, twelve minute ish kind of documentary on the MCU's relationship with the U.S. government, and like movies where they're real cozy and movies where they're not, and how they kind of like the relationship comes and goes over the MCU. It's very hmm. interesting. Cool. Um, so look for that in the show notes, or maybe it won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try and get yeah, it in there. Yeah. All right, so we hit for an ad break. Yeah, let's hit the ad break. I think we've uh, we've really touched on the things that work and don't on this flick, and I think we can uh, definitely give it a give it a rewrite. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them directly to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member, then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get more information right now at taprootedmonton.ca. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca Well, 
Welcome back, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the podcast where we forge together uh, bits and pieces of the script and the plot and the characters of the movie we saw and fashion it into one laser-sharp whip that we can uh, crack uh, into the face of narrative itself. Yeah, you got everything in there. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I came up with that just now, and I'm pretty pleased with myself. Um, but we have to come up with uh, some fixes for this movie. We got to uh, uh, quote unquote rewrite this bad boy. Yeah, I think we all agreed that it's it's pretty solid overall. Yeah. But I, I think that there are ways that it can be improved. Absolutely. One of the ways that I think it can be improved is that it needs to be more focused on what it's about, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of themes that this movie's playing with, but it doesn't go the distance with any of them. And I think that by honing that down a little bit we can improve the movie overall and the theme that i think the movie should focus on is legacy tony stark brings it up early on in the movie that uh you know he he delivers his speech about how it's not about us it's not about me it's about what we leave to the future and part of the story is involving like him coming to better grips with his dad who he had a bad relationship with because he is his dad's legacy. He's fighting a legacy villain because Ivan Vanko is the son of Anton Vanko who was wronged by Tony's father and um Tony to a certain extent is is concerned about what he's leaving for the future because he thinks he's dying. Like he thinks he's running out of time, mm-hmm. which gets resolved partway through the movie but even so. Um and I feel like we can focus in on that a little more. And one of the ways that we can focus in on that a little more is by not having the movie chicken out on an aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Because partway through the movie, Nick Fury comes onto the screen and goes, oh, Ivan Vanko, that guy was a jerk. Don't worry about him. He deserved what he got. No. <laughs> yeah. I think the bolder choice would be if Howard Stark actually screwed that guy. Yeah. And Tony now has to deal with that. And has to deal with the fact that his dad, despite trying to do good things later in his life, when he was younger, when he was setting up his company and was part of the military industrial complex, did some terrible things. And one of those terrible things is now coming back to haunt the next generation. And so when Tony has an opportunity to see his dad be like on the screen and be like, hey, you know, you're my greatest creation. I did some terrible things when I was younger, and when you came along, I decided that that's not the world I wanted to leave to you, and I made a conscious effort to try to do better. And hopefully, you've taken that and gone further, and it makes Tony reevaluate his own life and go, oh, I've been kind of a jerk, and now I'm dying, and maybe I need to be more concerned with what I'm leaving to the future as well. And that can bridge the gap between him and his father a little better, I think. And it also, it gives Ivan more of a sympathetic motivation because now he actually was wronged. Mm-hmm. He looks at Tony and sees the life that was that he should have had because his dad invented this incredible technology or helped invent this incredible technology. But he's, of course, unlike Tony who wants to do better, Ivan is going lower mm-hmm. and he's becoming a villain as as part of that. And so I feel like that little change, that yeah. little change... Uh, could have like honed the movie's themes a little better and made it have more of a more of an interesting through line and more of an interesting arc for Tony. Yeah, I think that that might be the clearest 
most concise fix for a movie that we've ever had. And I'm yeah. not entirely <laughs> certain that I have much to add to that because it's really good. It's very good. I got, in fact, I and, would, it's, and it's the smallest thing. It's yeah. just Tony's dad actually did screw that guy. And what I love, so the light bulb that went off in my head when you said that, because I, I would agree with uh, uh, Greg here that that was very succinct and, and a great uh, observation. Uh, and what I would build on that is it would actually also set up an opportunity to give uh, War Machine much more motivation if at some point Tony, early in the movie, fucked over Rhodey the way his dad fucked over Ivan Ooh, or uh, yeah. Papa Vanko, uh, and then just in time to learn the error of his ways makes right by Rhodey, and it would give Rhodey a good reason to go hang out with Hammer and steal the suit. Yeah, yeah. Because like I always found Rhodey's motivation in this really fuzzy. This having Tony be a dick to him early on would have built on what you said and yeah. given Rhodey better motivation. Yeah, Rhodey is in that in that scenario. Rhodey is Tony's Anton Vanko. Yeah, like the guy who he's who he's treated badly and who he's left hanging, and then but on. Fortunately for him, he learns his lesson sooner than Howard Stark did. Exactly. And so, there you go. Okay, so this, this is great because, like, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Rhodey is in the, the Senate hearing, and he's going up against uh, Tony. Kind of. Kind of. He's being, he's being backed into a wall. He's yeah, manipulated. And I'm, I'm thinking that, the, that um, what, we, what we do is, is have Rhodey not be backed into it, but... Um, go after Tony, not in a, not in a way that's like unfriendly or whatever, but just in a way that's like this is reality, Tony. This is you are, and this kind of speaks to what I was talking about in the first half, mm. where where um, the movie needs to acknowledge that like Tony being a literal weapon is dangerous, and and Rhodey sees that and he understands that. And well, that and, and that is his motivation for basically trying to like walk Tony off the edge and be like you know this there's they have a legitimate reason to be concerned and you should you need to be able to acknowledge that but so Tony's that can be the start in, of their conflict. But Tony's not in a position at that moment in the movie to be receptive to that kind Correct. of criticism yeah. mm-hmm. and feels put upon and that strains their relationship. Love it. And it's only later on that he realizes oh you know. Brody was right. Yeah, yeah, and that that kind of sets up the the fight that they have mid movie yep. quite nice, a little better, yeah, right? Because he already feels he, he already feels quite betrayed uh, by by Rhodey, and then you can kind of keep going into that, yeah, digging into their relationship a little bit more. Well, and it it also plays into the relationship issues with Pepper too, yeah. uh, the other person who he's close to, who he's alienating through the first part of the movie by being hopped up on his own greatness. Mm-hmm before he has that humbling moment partway through the movie and also has that moment of connection with his father where he's like, oh, like I'm, I'm repeating my dad's mistakes and which is ironically the very thing my dad didn't want me to do. Mm-hmm. And now I have an opportunity to try to do better. Can we maybe have Tony give, um, hand over the CEO ship of the company to Pepper Potts at the end of the movie instead of the beginning? I think that would work better with what we've yeah. kind of laid out. Yeah, because they, yeah, he's he, he. I think it plays better if he's sort of like still thinks he can do it all. Yeah, through most of the movie up until the end when he when he realizes he can't. Yeah. Well, and him him not officially giving over control of the company to Pepper, but she's still running herself ragged trying to keep the company together while he's off Iron Manning. Yeah, uh, and then 
she can also have been critical of him, which is why he ultimately replaces her still as his personal assistant and mm-hmm. hires Black Widow, which is entirely in this case to slight her. Yeah. Right. Uh, which it kind of was in the movie already, but now it's much more malicious yeah. and it's much more hurtful and, and yeah. it plays into him needing to make amends later on. Yeah. It kind of, um, it kind of gives, um, a bit more of a, a reason for him to be like a stumbling drunken jerk. Uh, you know, like all that stuff kind of leads into that sort of mid movie climax where, yep. where he, he kind of sees everything's falling doing. apart. Yeah. 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 Yeah, put him through the ringer. Just like, just ma- like have him lose everything at that moment, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that would be good. Yeah, I, I would agree to that. I, 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 I think it's fine that she got to be like that when she got the CEO thing worked where it was because it was part of him like having that existential crisis. Like, I'm gonna die. Take, take it. I don't care. Take my company. I got other legacy to worry about. I, but I can see what you're saying. I would almost take the the I'm gonna die stuff out of it. I, I disagree because that's one of my big rewrites. I think it was one of the one of the the heart of the movie is that he's he's got this like because like the whole thing that makes superhero movies is that that secret identity thing that like I have to keep this secret from the the people I love. And in this like the end of the first movie, he's like I'm Iron Man, and it's like Batman never does that, you know, whatever. Um, the thing he's the secret he's keeping is that he is dying and he's keeping that secret from his friends and family. So I actually like that as a as an allegory for the secret identity thing. Mm-hmm. I'm down with um, it. But, but, plus, but I, because because we're we're focusing the movie's themes in on legacy, it also gives him a real solid motivation to be concerned about his legacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It gives him in the same because I, I definitely want to keep the rewrite from the beginning of uh, the 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 expo should only be a month. It gives Hammer a certain ticking clock. Yeah. Uh, this gives him a certain. Uh, this gives him a natural ticking clock to, to cement his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, the one thing I would definitely change, regardless of other changes we make, I hated that he told Pepper or she found out about it over the intercom, like over the oh, comms yeah. during the cli- like action scene. And I'm like, this whole movie has been building to the fact that he is keeping the secret from a person he loves, you know, lying or or deceit through omission is a transgression that a lot of characters have in movies and it needs to be rectified because it is a awful thing to do to someone. Uh, and the fact that Pepper finds out about it by accident, by accident during an action scene and it's he never really gets a slap on a hand for it or any kind of like consequences for that deceit. I found like when that scene came by, I was like, "Oh man, you built like you spent two hours building it up to, and she just finds out by accident and no consequences." So I don't care what it looks like, but I want that to have had meaning. I think, yeah, I, I think, think that would work if, if like in amongst the the drunken uh, there scene, go. it comes if, out. If, it, if if you know towards the end of that, that's where uh, Pepper finds out what's happening to him, or he reveals it, uh, or whatever, and and Pepper's just so pissed off about it she's like fine you want to be alone you're alone now and, and then she's yeah. walking away goes oh, yeah. i'm dying <laughs> what also your ceo now that's where you give her ceo uh, yeah. actually i do like greg's rewrite though uh i think that that's that's good because then there are consequences to him having mm-hmm. kept it from her yeah. and again that puts him like at his lowest lowest point at that point in the yeah. movie right he's he's lost just he's lost everything including pepper right the now. only person who's left is the spy who's spying on him yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I like I like losing Pepper at that point because um, yeah she's kind of like the character that kind of sticks through him to thick and thin. Well, and she's it's also one thing for Rhodey to take off, but then for Pepper to to take off as well. Yeah, and she's also the one who's been keeping his world together for him while he's been spiraling, and yeah. so her leaving at that point 
like everything falls apart at that point because she's not there holding it all together for him. Yeah. Yeah, and then that leaves Nick Fury to pick up the ashes. Well, for Nick Fury to come and tell him to pick up his own damn ashes. Yeah, yeah that's he, he loses all his friends, and now he's all he's got is this spy and the spy's boss. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that quite a bit. But that that spy then leaves him still as as per the original movie, still leaves him with some of his dad's stuff. He gets that connection to his father and has an opportunity to learn from his father's mistakes in that moment, and that sets him on the path to do better. Mm-hmm. And to realize, oh, the legacy I'm leaving behind at the moment is actually terrible. Yeah. And I could do better. And there now he wants to be a hero. Yeah. 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 And character growth. <laughs> yeah. Not repeating the mistakes of the last generation. Legacy. Hey. Yeah. I think I think we made the movie better, guys. I think, yeah. I, I think I thought, yeah, there was a lot more changes that we made than I thought we were going to, because I was going into this thinking, ah, oh, this is pretty good. Doesn't no, I need think that you, much. You, you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, and then we add the uh, the expo is only a month. Yep. And uh, what was the other? More one? Justin Hammer. More Justin Hammer. Uh, there was there was another <laughs> quick one we had. Some about Vanko. Oh, the fight. There's just the fight. Should oh, be yeah. longer. And have, that, that's have just, Vanko fight him more. Yes. Yeah. Even even just like four more minutes on that yeah. fight less, would have been less more drones more make you work. I don't know why, but I I, I wanted Vanko to get his his own bird back. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I mean, just it's really ambiguous want... whether or not it was his bird. <laughs> yeah. It might have been. I'm now, now I'm thinking about okay. So if we want this this fight with uh, Whiplash to go longer, like how does it go longer? Did we establish Whiplash can fly like the Iron Man suits can? I mean, he kind of flies in, doesn't he? Because yeah. what I would have loved to see is them doing a flying around fighter jet thing, but with whips. Because then you get cool physics where like you whip someone while you're flying, and oh, now yeah. you're like two, you know, two weights on the end of a rope spinning through the air and you get cool, you know, physics with that. That, that would have been cool, actually. That would have been yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> they they know some more explosions. <laughs> and they could have guns. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, I think that would have, that'd be how I would add to that fight. How, yeah. What would you, what would be a, an action bit you'd add? Uh, if he's going to fight Whiplash more. Well, I mean, he needs to fight them both one-on-one at, one, at, at some point. So he needs to knock... Tony out of the fight long enough for him to have a little one-on-one square off with Rhodey and then knock Rhodey out of the fight long enough for him to have a little one-on-one square off with Tony so that they can then beat him together Yeah, because that's what they ultimately do. They high five Mm -hmm. and they high five explosion and he's beaten. So you, you do need to have, I think it would have been better if he'd had a chance to square off against each of them solo. Yeah. And, and that also establishes that they have to work together to beat him because he can, he can beat them both. He can go toe to toe with them, but together with the power of friendship and <laughs> explosive high fives, they can yeah. defeat him. There you go. Yeah, what I'd like to have seen maybe a different set piece for it to end on. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. It needed to end at the expo. That's definitely something it needed to do. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe they can. Maybe the final fight could take place on stage or something like that, or or whatever it was like. where the movie started. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe. Yeah, know. and tightening up the expo fixes one of the things I had a problem with that and I, I didn't have a, a good fix for it. Um, but I hated that it starts with Tony doing a big special show. Uh, like, look at me, I'm Iron Man, dancing girls, everyone's here. And then Hammer gets the same opportunity. And I'm kind of like, you only get to do that once in a movie. It just seemed like kind of lazy writing of like, what an easy way to get a bunch of civilians into one tight place mm. to attack them. And it's like, that's I mean I've seen a million movies do that. That's how that's how the Green Goblin gets the Sp- Spider Man in the first movie is like everyone's at this parade, yeah, Goblin bombs. Mm-hmm. But like so the classic classic writing move. But like you did it in the beginning. I, I just would have said one or the other. Like 
don't know. But I think also tightening, yeah, tightening up the length of the expo would would null and void. It also that, seems right? weird that Justin Hammer would get the keynote speech at that, that at, too, yeah. <laughs> at Tony Stark's thing. Yeah. Well, he he wheedled his way into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. I guess. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. We have no no notes for uh, Mr. Mickey Rourke. Uh, his whole his character his arc seemed to be just fine. I mean, it gets tweaked a little bit if it turns out his dad actually was jerked was around true, yeah uh but otherwise and here's the weird thing i remember mickey rourke being a weak link in this movie the first time he's i saw great. it but he's actually pretty good yep. like i have no i have no complaints <laughs> yeah me neither yeah yeah makes a good villain yeah very, very much so pretty I solid some of the some of the reading i was doing he really like uh the the gold teeth the uh tattoos and the bird were all mickey rourke's idea sure why not oh yeah <laughs> He was like, you know, uh, John Favreau. What if I would have had a bird? Uh, and John Favreau was like, okay. Um, it's little little quirks that make an interesting character. Right? What is it about villains having like a having like some kind of pet that just kind of works? A little morality, morality pet. Yeah, yeah. Makes it, it, it softens them just. Yeah, a little. yeah. That's they right. care about something. Yeah. Like because that's always all the best villains aren't just evil for evil's sake. Yeah. They're misguided idealists. Yeah. And being like, hey, this is a human being who's just wrong and petting a hairless cat. Yeah, I guess that's you know? so that's a really easy device to sort of throw in there to make Yeah, you're right, to soften them up. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm learning about screenwriting as we're <laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> I mean, that was part of the reason you wanted to do this yeah. podcast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but we uh, we also we had our own thoughts, but of course our listeners and uh, folks we interact with on social media have thoughts of their own. Uh, if you want to get in on uh, the note having, uh, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at uh, I Have Some Notes. But we've got some uh, uh, great takes from uh, some of our beloved friends. So let's uh, jump right into that. Steve from EILFM Podcast said, watched it again recently. I really liked it. Downey, Rockwell, and Rourke are great. Great intro to the Black Widow. Made a little bit before MCU took hold, but definitely worth a rewatch. I'll push back on it being a great intro for uh, Black Widow. It was okay. Yeah. Good fight. Maybe the in- introduction of her character is, is, is this not the awesome. first movie we see her? Yep. Not a great intro of Black Widow, but this definitely seems like the first movie in the MCU. Like, they made Iron Man, then they made Captain America, and then they're like, oh, we can make this work. And then, like, this one seems like the first of the, like, shared universe movies. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Though, it's so weak having Captain America's shield in there, and they don't know what they're looking at. (laughs) Oh, no, Coulson absolutely knew what he was looking at, because he's a big Captain America fanboy. But just, I I just, I wondered if there's more they could have done with that. It's also weird that it's, like... In pieces? Yeah. Because it's supposed to be made of solid vibranium? Yeah. Maybe it was a prototype. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, I'll chalk it up to like they realize later. As a, I've been doing a lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons DMing and you have these great ideas and then you realize later, I could have done that better 20 sessions ago. Damn it. So I won't I won't hold that, uh, yeah. hold their feet to the fire on that one. Tack says, this is hard because the bullet points of the movie are just fine. However, something was lost in the execution. It needed a stronger through line, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and we fixed it. <laughs> and yeah, less of those uh, having to fill in gaps. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it could have it could have been fifteen minutes longer, and I don't think it would have been a problem. Absolutely. Cinematological says, "A, how dare you?" Yeah, <laughs> legit. <That's fair>. Yeah. <laughs> Two, the movie is overstuffed at places, but nowhere near bad. Agreed. Fair. I mean, we don't we don't necessarily do bad movies. We just do movies that need some notes. Um, and uh, number, 
Uh, so the, the joke being there'd be a two number. Very clever cinematological. Uh, Sam Rockwell is a treasure. Yeah, uh, yes, and again, should have been in every other Marvel movie. Yeah, definitely wasted. Black Panther, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Sam Rockwell. Oh, could you imagine? Uh, what, a, what a great way. Doctor to- Strange, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> If he was trying to get his hands on vibranium and just some uh, 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 Wakandans uh, yep. kick him out, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, there's a lot to this next comment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna deconstruct and unpack some of it. Uh, but I'm gonna read it all, and then uh, there's lots of things I think our next uh, commenter gets right, and some I would uh, I can I can um actually correct with some of the reading I did. Uh, so Nathan Martin says the bird subplot with Hammer was just weird because. Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke asked it. for it. <laughs> I find it weird uh, that in the first movie, in a, it took a room of scientists to put together what Tony did in a cave, but Whiplash can just make the same thing. That's because his dad invented it. Yes. Uh, Tony's drinking problem, quote unquote, really didn't amount to anything. Legit. Uh, so, but here's the thing. In the comics, it is established that Tony Stark has a severe drinking problem. In the MCU, they don't really do that. That's and that's reasonable. And it's so I, I it didn't amount to anything. He does some problem drinking, but that doesn't mean that he, he has, has a, a drinking yes, problem. Yes, there is one scene where he gets drunk and is a dick, but he doesn't. It's not an ongoing part of his character. So I'm I'm sorry, uh, Nathan Martin. Uh, I, I didn't amount to anything because it wasn't anything. Uh, sorry, uh, Natasha's character feels a little bit tacked on at times, very much like, oh yeah, she's in this movie. Yeah. Mm. Fair, but uh, also, like I said, it looks like it was something John Favreau was told working or bust asshole, and he he begrudgingly did it, and so you it, know. it didn't do a terrible job of it. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. This movie has a lot of ideas in it, but it feels like it didn't really know what to do with them. It needed it, that focused through line. <laughs> we fixed it. We did it. Uh, it's not bad, but it's just kind of all over the place. And after all the fighting, Whiplash just predators himself. Why? Four more minutes of fight. Four more minutes. That's what it needed. Great. Four more minutes of fight. Flying around with whips on each other would have been Yep, dope. a little one-on-one with Rhodey, a little one-on-one with Tony. Yep. <laughs> Explosive high five. Tony in the streets, Rhodey in the sheets. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That doesn't even mean anything. Uh, it does now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes and, that's, no. and on that note. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. It's just the way you said it made me. <sighs> well, if you would like to get on this kind of notes having and uh, you know ask why other villains predator themselves, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at IHaveSomeNotes.com. If you like the show, please consider a rate and a review on iTunes. It really does help us out. Indeed. You can find all of our episodes on the CKUA radio app or download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts over at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now when we'll be cracking another movie. Is it going to be Reign of Fire? Is that official? Or <laughs> We're going to take on dragons, taking on tanks. Rain of Fire it is. We've d- we discussed it between takes, and it's happening now. We're going to watch Rain we, of Fire. We have just locked that one in. Sure. I, I, by, <laughs> by virtue of me saying it on air. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Rain of Fire will be next uh, two weeks from now. Uh, but until then, uh, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. Scotty Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. For flying whips. And Iron Man's. <laughs> <laughs>